It's arraignment day. But instead of focusing on the defendant, I would like to turn our attention for a moment to the persecutor, New York City District Attorney Alvin Bragg, who is arresting the national opposition leader on a trumped up, maybe misdemeanor charge from seven years ago and claiming that it's a felony. It's not a felony. Whatever Trump did, it's very likely not even a misdemeanor as the substance of Trump's alleged crime is making a donation to his own campaign, which candidates are allowed to do without limit. But putting that aside for a second, let's say that it were a misdemeanor. Let's even pretend that it were a felony, which Bragg needs to do to make any even remotely plausible case to arrest him. If it's only a misdemeanor, he's got no case against Trump. He's got to trump it up to a felony. So let's say somehow this were a felony. Alvin Bragg's defining feature as DA in New York is that he lets felons off the hook. According to data published last year, Bragg downgraded most felony cases that came across his desk. In 52% of felony cases, Bragg downgraded them to misdemeanors to ensure that criminals were punished as little as possible. Liberal DAs went on a downgrading spree around Manhattan in recent years. But even still, Alvin Bragg's record of letting felons off the hook went far beyond Manhattan's 39% downgrade rate in 2019. Even Cyrus Vance, Bragg's far left immediate predecessor as DA, never downgraded more than 40% of felony cases, much less 52. Bragg downgraded most of them. There's only one felony that Alvin Bragg seems hell-bent on prosecuting in New York, and it just so happens to be the one that Donald Trump didn't commit. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. The New York DA, the liberals broadly, are sending a clear message to Republicans. This arrest is sending a clear message to the political opposition. Our friend Kid Rock is sending a clear message to Bud Light and Anheuser-Busch. We'll get to that in just one second. First, though, things are happening in real time on arraignment day here. Uh, we, we all know the broad scopes of what's going on. President Trump, after months and months of speculation, is being indicted. They're going after him in New York. They're probably going to go after him later in Georgia. He can still run for president. He could run for president if he were wearing an orange jumpsuit, but he's not going to be wearing an orange jumpsuit yet. Yet. The reason the word yet is important here is because the judge in the case in New York could impose a gag order on Donald Trump, which elevates what I think is already a constitutional crisis into a much more extreme constitutional crisis. The United States is now very clearly in banana republic territory just by arresting the former president and the political opposition leader. But what the judge could say is, you're being arrested. We're going to try you for this ridiculous fake charge, and uh, you can't talk about it. That's what the gag order would do. But Donald Trump is campaigning for president. How is he not supposed to talk about this central issue where they're going to try to put him in prison? But if he does talk about it, what would the consequences be? Consequences could be a $1,000 fine. I think Trump can afford it. Or 30 days in prison. Now, if I were Trump, 
And I can see political reality very clearly. And I can see that the way our government works is not like they told us in school with the bill up on Capitol Hill and everything we learned in civics class, but actually our constitution operates in a much more corrupt way. That's the lowercase c constitution. Not the uppercase c one that you see on the parchment, but the lowercase c one in which the liberals wield political power arbitrarily. They've got a two-tiered system of justice. Republicans are treated as criminals for telling jokes. And Democrat criminals are, are treated as merely joking. Oh, don't worry. Oh, it's just, oh, they burned the country down. Oh, tee hee hee. No big deal. We won't even give them a slap on the wrist. Oh, a Republican posted a meme on Twitter. Yeah, he's going to face 10 years in the clink. So Trump is seeing all of that very, very clearly. If I were him, I would immediately violate the gag order. Trump is not known for keeping his mouth shut. So he'll probably do that anyway. And then I would hope that they throw me in prison. Make clear just how corrupt our government has become. Make that very clear. Have them throw this guy into a cell to show you just how corrupt all of this is because Trump is not going to go quietly into that night. So all of this has benefited Trump's political prospects, at least thus far. According to a McLaughlin poll, Trump is now beating Ron DeSantis by 30 points. Trump has taken a 30-point lead. He's got majority support now, 51%, which is important for Trump because a lot of people thought Trump might max out at 45 to 49%. But he's now at majority support among Republicans. DeSantis is down significantly. DeSantis has experienced a double-digit drop down to 21%. That means the race has swung a net 18 points in Donald Trump's direction since January. Why is this? What happened since January? Well, after Trump's lackluster campaign announcement, he's gotten a lot of his mojo back. He went to East Palestine, Ohio and bought everybody McDonald's and showed that he cared. He looked like the one politician in the country pretty much who cared about these people who had a a massive poison spill in their town and the government tried to cover it up, deny it, look away, nothing to see here. Trump shows up, brings them supplies and, and points to the people who elected him and the people that he's represented and said, at least I care about you guys. That was very, very important. Then Trump goes out and he offers uh, uh, different policies than the other candidates. Again, this is no knock on DeSantis or any of the other Republican candidates. This is not even a recommendation of those policies, but we should be pretty clear about this. Donald Trump was not merely elected in 2016 because he's got a fun personality. Maybe that played a little bit into it, but I'm actually more taken with Ann Coulter's thesis on 2016, which is that President Trump was not elected for his personality despite his policies, but it was the opposite. He was elected for his policies, often in spite of his personality. You see this on trade. Every other Republican candidate pretty much across the board for the last 30 years has been a free trader. Donald Trump is saying, I support protectionism. I support mercantilism for the 21st century. You might say that's crazy. That's bad for the economy. We're going to lose money. But I think everyone has to admit that is the alternative to globalism. (laughs) Free trade means increasing globalization. Protectionism means decreasing globalization. So Trump, maybe you say it's a dumb policy. I don't think it's a dumb policy, but maybe you say it's a dumb policy. At the very least, you have to admit this guy's offering an alternative on foreign policy. Trump offers an alternative. For most of the other candidates, we don't know exactly what their foreign policy looks like. For most of the Republicans over the last 30 years, we, their foreign policy is essentially do what the State Department wants to do. That's why foreign policy hasn't changed very much from 
Bush to Clinton to Bush to Obama. It's always just kind of the same foreign intervention in roughly the same places. Trump says, no, we're going to wind down the war in Ukraine. We're going to pull troops home. We're going to pull back on some of NATO's uh, intervention around the world. We just found out today that Finland has joined NATO. So NATO continues to expand, which Russia says is the provocation for the war in Ukraine, which which people like Henry Kissinger, Sam Nunn, George Kennan, and other Daniel Patrick Moynihan, very serious foreign policy thinkers, have said for 30 years will increase the risk of global conflict if NATO continues to expand. That's a topic for another day. All of which is to say, Trump is offering a policy alternative. Will that continue to serve him? We'll see. We'll see if he can continue to campaign effectively from prison. Now, speaking of Trump's rival, Ron DeSantis is also doing some great things to set him up very well for a 2024 race down in Florida, which we'll get to in one second. But when you want to look great, you got to check out GenuCell. Right now, go to GenuCell.com slash Knowles. Sure, you could go to Brazil or Colombia and get crazy stuff done to your face to look younger. But why would you do that when you could just use GenuCell? People are raving about GenuCell products. Claire, for instance, says, I absolutely love GenuCell. My skin feels so good, tighter and younger with a more even tone. All right, Claire. Nothing works like GenuCell. It's a family recipe. It's been perfected over 20 years by a compounding pharmacist who works in small batches and with only safe, natural, cruelty-free ingredients. I also love the, the founder, Coptic Christian, fled Egypt, came here for the American dream. With warmer weather just around the corner, our friends at GenuCell are holding two springtime essentials in their most popular package, the Ultra Retinol and Dark Spot Corrector. Ultra Retinol contains a powerful retinol alternative that is safe for your skin. Their Dark Spot Corrector will help reduce sunspots, plus you will still get GenuCell's world-class under-eye bag therapy to help alleviate puffiness. They promise immediate effects. If you don't see results in 12 hours, you will get your money back. Try GenuCell's most popular package for 70% off at GenuCell.com slash Knowles. All orders upgraded to free shipping, and every subscription order includes a complimentary spring spa box with three spa essentials. Three gifts plus free shipping. Go to GenuCell.com slash Knowles. GenuCell.com slash Knowles. Ron DeSantis down in Florida. He's been great on the trans stuff. He's been great attacking corporate America, woke corporations. He's been great on education. Now, Ron DeSantis has signed a constitutional carry law in Florida. This means that you don't need to get some special permit to carry a gun, but it's your constitutional right. And you get to do it without the permit. And this is really important because it means that now the majority of states in this country recognize the constitutional right to carry a gun. And especially as we see shootings increase, we had a shooting in my town just last week. As, as the political order continues to fray, you need to be able to protect yourself. This derives from the natural law, the right of self-preservation. This has been enshrined in our Second Amendment. This has been a tradition in the United States going back to the very earliest days. DeSantis says, we are, we are not going to be bullied by the libs who are constantly demagoguing on the issue of guns in a way that is t totally divorced from, from the reality of gun crimes. There was a shooting... Uh, some weeks ago, uh, immediately afterward, Nancy Pelosi said, we need an assault weapons ban. But, but the shooting didn't involve an assault weapon, whatever that is, meaning a, a black rifle. Didn't involve a rifle at all. It involved handguns. An assault weapons ban would have done nothing to stop that shooting, would have done nothing to, to stop most of these shootings. So the libs are always demagoguing on this, and they're, they're getting more and more aggressive. The White House was just asked, can you rule out 
when you're talking about common sense gun reform, will you assuage everybody's fears right now and say, Corrine Jean-Pierre, that the White House will not send agents door to door to confiscate people's weapons? Here's the White House response. Does the president support not just banning the sale and manufacture of semi-automatic weapons, but further than that, confiscation? Let's, let me just be very clear. What we're talking about, AR-15s, these assault weapons ban, they are weapons of war and they should not be on the streets across the country in our communities. They should not be in schools. They should not be in grocery stores. They should not be in, in churches. That's what the president believes. And he has done more than any other president the first two years on an executive order. And as you know, we all know how government works. There's only so much that he can do. And so now it's time for Congress to do the work. And he's happy to sign. Once that happens, he's happy to sign that legislation that says, okay, we're going to remove assault weapons. We're going to have an assault weapons ban. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, did you plan on answering the question ever or no? You're just going to dodge it. She's just going to dodge it, obviously. It should be a layup, simple question. Can you assuage Americans' fears? You're going to try to regulate guns. You're going to try to ban the sale of some of the most popular guns in the country. Okay. You're, at least you're not going to go door to door and take people's guns, right? Well, um, huh. we've said these are weapons of war. Beep boop, beep boop, weapons, assault weapons, bad. We need to common sense. Beep, beep boop, beep, beep boop. All weapons are weapons of war. All, all things that can kill people are weapons that could be used in war. All guns are assault weapons. They are intended to assault people. They're intended to threaten people. They're intended to, to harm people. They're a, a, intended to protect you against bad people who are trying to harm you. All of, all of those platitudes means nothing. What the answer in total means is, yeah, we're considering confiscating your guns. Now, they're talking about semi-automatic guns. What is a semi-automatic gun? Just a gun that automatically reloads. The libs try to pretend that a semi-automatic weapon is a gun where you hold the trigger down and just a spray of bullets come at, comes out like a fully automatic weapon. But of course, that's not, not what it is. 20%, an estimated 20% of all guns in the United States, including the antique guns, including guns that have been passed down for generations, 20% of all guns are semi-automatic, including shotguns. Many people don't, don't want semi-automatic shotguns. They, they like to reload themselves. 20% of all guns, one in five guns, are semi-automatic. When it comes to handguns, 85% of handguns in the United States are semi-automatic. If the White House bans the sale of semi-automatic weapons, if the White House goes further to confiscate semi-automatic weapons, they will be taking a huge chunk of guns out of the hands of Americans. And that will not that will not protect anybody. That will harm people and that will open them up to the predations of criminals. Speaking of harmful things, very, very harmful things. Do you know that in this country, people are still allowed to read politically incorrect books? Some classic books, some of the best-selling books of all time, but if they're politically incorrect and they're not totally on board with the 2023 radical trans agenda, <laughs> if they're not on board with whatever the fad du jour of the Democratic Party is, people are still allowed to read them. Very, very scary. And everyone is, is bemoaning this sad situation, including the publisher of some of these books. The publisher of Gone with the Wind, this is Pan McMillan, has described Gone with the Wind as harmful. 
Gone with the Wind, one of the most popular books ever, one of the greatest films ever made. Pan McMillan calls the book problematic uh, because it contains racist elements, very racist book. And, And those elements are probably hurtful or indeed harmful. The novel includes the representation of unacceptable practices, racist and stereotypical depictions and troubling themes, characterization, language, and imagery. We murder 800,000 babies a year in the United States, and we have done that for 50 years now. I am sick and tired of hearing that the 18th and 19th centuries in America were the pinnacle of all evil ever in the world. I'm tired of hearing that slavery is, was the, the greatest sin ever to occur. Slavery is a bad thing. Slavery isn't even the worst sin to occur in the history of the United States. Slavery in the 18th and 19th centuries wasn't even as bad as what the liberals are doing right now. The liberals right now, what are their defining policies? They're, they're, the policies that they hold on to most dearly. The policies are slaughtering hundreds of thousands of babies a year and castrating children and chopping off their genitals and pumping them full of hormones that will make their bones brittle that are going to give them terrible health consequences throughout the rest of their lives and push them into an ideology that greatly increases the risk of suicidality. That's what the liberals are doing right now, and they consider those alleged rights sacred. So forgive me if if I'm a little skeptical of them sitting up there on their high horse saying that the fact that people can read a classic of recent literature, Gone with the Wind, is problematic and harmful. Good grief. The the worst era in the whole history of the world was the 19th century, say, the, the people who currently support the largest genocide in history, which is still ongoing. Give me a freaking break. How about we focus a little less on censoring century-old books and focus a little bit more on rectifying the actual evils going on in the world right now? We can't do that. We're so confused. We're so confused. The the New Zealand prime minister seems to be more confused than any of us. New Zealand prime minister was asked a question that seems to have come from the Daily Wire and resonated all over the world, thanks to our friend Matt Walsh. The New Zealand prime minister was asked to define what a woman is. I just wanted to ask you, uh, given comments by Keir Starmer in Britain, how do you and how does this government define a woman? Um... (laughs) I, to be honest, Sean, that's, that, that question's come slightly out of left field for, for me. Um, the, well, biology, sex, gender, um, people define themselves, people define their own genders. Well, what is that that they define? He believes 99.9% of women do not have penises. <laughs> and I know it's a strange thing for him to say, but given recent events in New Zealand, I'd ask again, how do you define what a woman is? 
Well, as I've, I, I think as I've just indicated, I wasn't expecting that question, so it's not something that I've um, you know, formulated, pre-formulated an answer on. But um, in terms of gender identity, I think people define their gender identity for themselves. Yes, well, a woman is a person who says that he is, she's a woman. Okay, what is that? Well, it's uh, well, uh, her. Well, you really got me there. It's like the riddle of the stinks. They don't, whoa. I, my New Zealand accent isn't right. It's not really right. And his answer wasn't really right. But in his defense, if you accept the illogic of transgenderism, if you hold to the gobbledygook nonsense of transgenderism, you can't answer the question. I can answer the question. A woman is the kind of person who isn't a man. <laughs> a woman is the kind of person who is a member of the real and natural category of woman. <laughs> is, uh, you know, has the physical attributes, the natural physical attributes of woman and who is, is not merely reducible to her body, but who is uh, described by her body and by her natural physical attributes because sexual difference comes from the body, though the whole person is a composite of body and soul. We can answer that. A woman is an adult human female. A woman is the kind of person who ha- can give birth, is the kind of person who can menstruate, is the kind of... We all know what a woman is. It takes an elite to be confused about what a woman is. But he can't, it's not just that he didn't think up a good answer. When he says, well, you know, I didn't give a little thought to that question. And I, right, right, you could think about it until the end of the world. You could think about it till kingdom come. You're, you're not going to come up with an answer if you accept transgenderism, because transgenderism precludes an answer to that simple question. And as a general rule, if your ideology precludes you from answering basic questions, the answers to which we all know, then the ideology is almost certainly wrong. We can say that. I got to give this guy a call and explain to him what a woman is. And and when I want to call my friends, you know where I got to turn. Got to turn to Pure Talk. Right now, go to puretalk.com. Use promo code Knowles. Prices of essential goods are not coming down anytime soon. You need to start looking at ways to cut costs. One of the ways you can do that is by making the switch to Pure Talk. Pure Talk saves the average family over $900 per year. You can get the same coverage you're used to at half the rate that you're currently paying. Not only will you save money, but you will also get the satisfaction of knowing you're supporting a great American company. The CEO and chairman of Pure Talk is a U.S. military veteran. When you become a Pure Talk customer, you are given the option to support America's Warrior Partnership, which is an organization that works to prevent veteran suicide. Absolutely love these guys. Great to work with. U.S.-based customer service team. No crazy, radical wokeness. They give you the same great service that you are getting at an incredibly low price. Right now, head on over to puretalk.com, enter promo code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, to save 50-5-0% off your first month. That is puretalk.com, promo code Knowles. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. My favorite comment yesterday, my favorite comment in a while, actually, is from Donna Varapodio, who says, the longer I live on this planet, the more I understand why roosters start their day screaming. (laughs) I I feel you. And actually, that's a great segue into into a clip that I have to bring up. I just saw it this morning from our friend, Tennessee local, Kid Rock, who, in his typically articulate and pithy fashion, has responded to Bud Light's recent sponsorship of uh, the transvestite Dylan Mulvaney. 
Uh, here is Kid's response. <laughs> Grandpa's feeling a little frisky today. Let me uh, say something to all you and be as clear and concise as possible. Bud Light and Anheuser Busch. Have a terrific day. <laughs> in so few words, he summed up what so many of us were thinking. By the way, we, we always talk about what's an assault weapon, what's a fully automatic weapon. Uh, I think that one is an assault weapon. I think pretty sure that one is whatever assault weapon means. It probably means that fully automatic weapon that Kid Rock has, which are very hard to get and which we highly regulate in America. And for those of you who were only listening to that and didn't see it, the object of his fire was two 12-packs of Bud Light. And it's an important statement, too, because Kid Rock is not only a rock star, but he, he owns the biggest honky-tonk in Nashville. The biggest, most impressive honky-tonk in Nashville, which is Music City, is Kid Rock's big-ass honky-tonk and rock and roll steakhouse. Great name for an establishment. So I assume they're going to get rid of Bud Light at the honky-tonk. And I think we should all get rid of Bud Light in our homes. I almost never drink Bud Light. Though, if I'm at the kind of place where I'm going to drink a regular light beer like that, I previously had ordered Bud Light because it tastes kind of like nothing. Now I'm going to have to order something else. It's so offensive that Bud Light would partner with this guy, Dylan Mulvaney. It's so offensive that they would partner with a guy who makes an absolute mockery of women and of the difference between men and women. It's absolutely offensive that that Bud Light would announce this days after a transgender identifying person shot up a Christian school in a targeted shooting. According to the chief of police, apparently motivated by transgender ideology. We're not allowed to say that definitively because we haven't gotten any more information. We haven't seen a manifesto, but the facts as they appear right now are pretty clear. And what what does Bud Light do? The same thing the White House does. The same thing that the Department of Health and Human Services do. The same thing the media do. They say, you know, the, the real victims here are the transgender identifying people. And if you don't support transgenderism, you're a terrible, awful person. Transgenderism is the state religion and you will comply with it. And Kid Rock says, nope, (laughs) nope. And we can all say nope as well. But they are pushing this on us everywhere. And they're pushing it on the kids, especially. Daniel Radcliffe, who played Harry Potter and is is an actor. Daniel Radcliffe just, just published some kind of series, some kind of podcast series, because every single white millennial on planet Earth, I think by federal statute, now must have a podcast. Daniel Radcliffe posted this, this long interview in which he is talking to transgender identifying people, in which he makes a strange claim about pedagogy, education, and the rational faculties of children. I learned from, you know, out of the cradle that I am you know, that I was a boy. I should like blue. I should like sports. I should be manly. I should like superheroes. Yeah. And I just, I never associated myself with those things. And we are told that we're not old enough to know, to know this yet. Like, I mean, I'm only 11 years old. How do I know I'm a girl? And I need more time to think about this. 
But there are also people who do have like a slightly condescending but well-meaning attitude of like, well, people are young and like, how do we, you know, there is a huge decision. I'd love to hear from all of you about like why we can trust kids to like tell us who they are. I don't understand why I can't just decide that I'm a girl. I, if it's a big decision to decide I'm a girl, it's a big decision to decide I'm a boy. Right. Put, put a just, pause it's there. The it's a big, big decision to decide to get a tattoo. You're not allowed to do that. It's a big decision to decide to start smoking cigarettes. You're not allowed to do that. You, you will be allowed to do that eventually once you've reached an age of maturity and reason and consent when you're 18. And now we keep raising that. You're not, you're not allowed in the United States to, to purchase a pack of cigarettes until you're 21 years old. But you can decide to start the process that will culminate in you chopping off your genitals at age eight. You, you can start the, pro frankly, even earlier in, in certain locales, you can start the process that will see you put on puberty blocking drugs, that will see you pumped full of cross-sex hormones, that will see your body mutilated, that will see you sterilized, castrated. You can start that when you're in elementary school, but you can't get a tattoo until you're 18. You can't buy a drink or smoke a cigarette until you're 21. Does that make a lot of sense? Well, no, because kids, kids don't know if they want to have a tiny little Japanese character symbol in green on their wrist like every white girl in the United States. They can't decide that until they turn 18, but they can decide to lop their breasts off when they turn eight, right? Does that make a lot of sense? doesn't make sense to me. Keep going. Decide I'm a boy. Right. It's just, it's the same thing. There's no, there's no age. You don't have to be 18 to decide that, oh, I am who I am. Okay, there it is. Well, both of my examples were sort of harsh on white people. But I, I think it's, they're especially a little harsh on white people here because it, it appears to me that it is white liberals in particular who are so taken with these insane ideologies. It's people like Daniel Radcliffe. It's people like Robin DiAngelo. It's people like Randy Weingarten. It's people like, it's all, it, this pathology seems to be seeping from very liberal whites. I don't know why that is, but it is going out everywhere to every racial group of people and <laughs> to every geography. It is, actually, you know, Emmanuel Macron, the leader of France, was asked about wokeness and he said, oh, that's an American thing. This is the leader of France. France is a very liberal country. But he said this wokeness stuff, this extreme of liberalism, this extreme of liberation that attempts to liberate you even from your own body, even from your own self, that's an American thing. We don't do that here. This extreme of liberation that says that you don't even need to cultivate your higher rational will in order to make these sorts of decisions. You can do it when you're 11. You can do it from the moment you crawl out of that crib, you can decide that you are not really yourself and you can decide to kill your former self and become a totally new person. But of course, that's not the case. It, the liberals trying to trans the kids highlights perfectly something that I have been pointing out about liberty for a long time, which is that liberty is a confounding thing because liberty and licentiousness are different things because liberty is not merely about what you will to do because we have two wills. We have a lower will, which is the appetite, and we have a higher will, which is the rational will. And the process of education is about cultivating the rational will so you can suppress your appetites. And kids, by definition, can't do that. 
That's why if you leave a kid in a room with a cookie jar, the kid is going to eat all the cookies. An adult might eat all the cookies increasingly in our undisciplined and decadent society. They will eat all the cookies. But the, the adults have a better chance, having cultivated that rational will, having suppressed those appetites, having learned to master a little bit their concupiscence, they will be, be more likely to discipline themselves. So the liberation that is offered by the liberals is not true liberty. It's not the liberty to chart your own course and pursue the good and, and behave in a way that is rational and conducive to your human flourishing. It's that false kind of liberty of eating all the cookies in the cookie jar or doing a bunch of drugs or harming yourself. It's that false liberty that says that if it feels good, do it. But that kind of liberty is nothing but slavery. That kind of liberty will lead to nothing but your own destruction. It's the liberty of the heroin addict who's going to be the freest man in the world until he overdoses or dies of exposure on the streets of San Francisco. It's It's called licentiousness. That way lies destruction. This is what students are being taught, though. There's a teacher who just went viral on TikTok who who was boasting that he passes out chest binders to his students. I teach in an explicitly trans-affirming high school. Um, We have gender support plans. We have a gender-affirming wardrobe at our school. We have binders on demand for our students and other shapewear can easily be ordered. Uh, We have students that express themselves in all manner of different ways. And I couldn't be prouder to work at a school that's so amazing. Um, If you would like to have your school also be an explicitly trans-affirming school, let me know. Maybe we can figure something out. Have you ever seen a creepier guy in your whole life than the kind of guy who seeks out an explicitly trans-affirming high school and passes out all sorts of weird sexual toys to children and then goes on the internet and advertises and says, hey, kids, hey, hey, kids. If you're out there and you want to talk about weird sex stuff to some adults in school, just give me a, shoot me a DM. (laughs) I love it. This is, I got the greatest job in the world. I bet you think you do. I bet you think you do, man. But this, this is the sort of thing that we should not be tolerating. You're not allowed to teach the Bible in schools. You're not allowed to pray to God in schools. It is increasingly politically incorrect to say the Pledge of Allegiance in schools. But now we have trans-affirming schools in which teachers pass out sex toys to children. We're going to have some standards. The people who oppose the Bible in schools, the, the ones who did so with good intentions, like like the pavement to the road of hell. Some people had good intentions. They said, well, we, we don't want to force any religious beliefs on anybody. So we're just going to get the Bible out of schools. Oh, we don't want to force religious beliefs. We're going to get prayer out of schools. We, we don't want to force patriotic beliefs. We're going to get the Pledge of Allegiance out of schools. They did so in, in the, according to the false perception, false conception, that we would then have a neutral school. You can't have a neutral school. You can't have a neutral society, but you certainly can't have a neutral school because schools teach things. So when you take one idea out of a school, it creates a vacuum. 
something else will fill that vacuum. You take the American flag out of the classroom, the pride flag will fill that. You take God out of the classroom, some idol will fill that. You take Christianity out of the classroom, which says that man is a composite of body and soul, and the soul is a substantial form of the body. Well, transgenderism is going to fill that vacuum, which says that man is, is a duality between body and soul, and your soul and your body don't have any real relation to one another. They can be in opposition. And if you, if you feel any discomfort about your physical self, well, you should hate your physical self. That's not really you. Chop it up. Sterilize it. That's what's, go- that's what's always going to fill it. And so we have to have a clear vision of not just how we want children to develop critical thinking skills, but we have to first answer what should they think. You can't learn how to think before you learn what to think, at least about certain basic things. Now, before we move on, I do have to, I just have to raise a question, which is, did AOC call for the murder of Matt Walsh? Did, I don't, I don't know. There, there was a, a related issue a couple of weeks ago, a sitting member of Congress, Jamal Bowman, also from New York, called me a Nazi and said that I'm a Nazi hell-bent on only keeping white men alive and in power. So I don't know where he got this from. He watched my CPAC speech. He said, I'm a Nazi, and I only want to keep white men alive. I guess I want to kill everyone other than the white men. Which if I kill the white women, then there aren't going to be any more white men. But anyway, that's a, I'll try to work through that illogic at some point. But he did that from his public Twitter account. The question with Walsh and AOC is that she may have done it from a burner Twitter account, sort of like Mitt Romney had his burner account, Pierre Delecto. This one is called Zaza Demon. The tag is Zaza Smoka. Referred to Walsh as a hateful little freak. Said, I can't wait until you piss off a trans person that actually is as unhinged as you claim to say they all are. Can't be a bigot if you're no longer breathing. Smiley face. Now we get these kinds of comments all the time. I wouldn't think twice of it, except this account referred, responded to a criticism of AOC with the first person singular pronoun, saying, I didn't do this, I didn't do that. Now, it's a little unclear. I'm not saying that this is AOC. It's just a little weird. And people are raising the question, okay, and many people are talking about it, okay? So whether it's AOC or not AOC, certainly AOC should condemn this. It's very clear. The question is being raised. I just think it's very, you know, as, as Matt pointed out last night, silence is violence. So I, I certainly call on AOC to condemn whoever this person is who's running the account. What's weird is when, it, when the prospect was raised that this was AOC's burner, the account got deleted. It's kind of weird. Because if, if it were just an anonymous account, if it weren't really AOC, and then it got all this attention, you'd think the account would, would remain active. It would be the best thing ever to happen. So anyway, I don't know. I'm just waiting for AOC to condemn these sorts of comments, whether she wrote them or not. The impact of the Bible on literacy and society is profound. Some would say foundational. It has influenced all aspects of human life, including literature, art, culture, government, and our lives. In fact, no other book has mattered anywhere near as much as the Bible. Join Jordan Peterson in his special Logos and Literacy, where he traces the Bible through history to show you the impact that it has had on the Western world. I was very much struck by how the translation of the biblical writings jump-started the development of literacy across the entire world. Illiteracy was the norm. The pastor's home was the first school, and every morning it would begin with singing. 
The Christian faith is a singing religion. Probably 80% of scripture memorization today exists only because of what is sung. This is amazing. Here we have a Gutenberg Bible, Bible printed on the press of Johann Gutenberg. Science and religion are opposing forces in the world, but historically that has not been the case. Now the book is available to everyone. From Shakespeare to modern education and medicine and science to, to civilization itself, it is the most influential book in all of history, and hopefully people can walk away with at least a sense of that. Logos and Literacy is free at dailywireplus.com, but only for a few more days. So take advantage of your last chance to watch Logos and Literacy for free at dailywireplus.com. On this show, I focus a lot on macro political issues, Political trends that do not just cover weeks or months, but cover decades or centuries. That's just what I am most interested in, and I think it explains the most about our current political situation. When you look at these cultural, religious, philosophical, and practical political trends. However, I don't want to neglect the importance of individual political administrations. Saudi Arabia has just announced that it's going to cut oil production by a million barrels of oil a day. Saudi Arabia will lead the members of OPEC, including Russia, to cut that million barrels of output a day starting next month. This will cause higher U.S. inflation. Saudi Arabia then said it would cut production by another half million barrels a day starting in May. Why is Saudi Arabia doing this? because it doesn't like Joe Biden. Saudi Arabia, one of our best allies in the Middle East, we had a great relationship with Saudi Arabia for many decades, and Trump had a great relationship with Saudi Arabia. And then Joe Biden, because he wanted to suck up to Iran, decided to try to make a pariah of Saudi Arabia. Joe Biden, because he was bungling into the, the war in Ukraine, a war which he largely enabled, even according to Ukrainian President Zelensky, tried to make a pariah of Saudi Arabia, and Saudi Arabia didn't like that. Joe Biden, who then tried to make up for his failures by releasing a, a huge amount of our strategic petroleum reserve to try to get himself through the midterm elections, Saudi Arabia didn't like that too much. And so now Saudi Arabia is striking back. In just two years, this administration has wrought such destruction on the United States, completely destroyed our economy, further exacerbated, greatly exacerbated, the problems of our illegal immigration system uh, bears much of the responsibility for starting the first major war in Europe since World War II, potentially the beginning of World War III, destroyed our energy sector. Eggs now cost $9 a dozen. They just, they've just ruined everything. <laughs> They just, the, the record is a record of pure failure, the likes of which we have not seen since Jimmy Carter. This just is what happened under Jimmy Carter. We're supposed to say that history doesn't repeat itself, but it does rhyme. This is just repetition. This is repeating itself. This is barely a rhyme anymore. This just seems to be a full on copy. This man is the worst president I've ever seen. 
And I mean that not even in his degree of radicalism or evil. He doesn't, he is the most radical president, but only because that's the way that the wind in his party is blowing. Joe Biden doesn't believe a thing and he never has. Obama was a little more focused and a little more ideological than Biden. But Barack Obama was also more competent than Biden. And just on the, on the basic matters of competence, Joe Biden is terrible. You would think that would be the one thing that Joe Biden would be pretty good at because he's been around the federal government for over 50 years now. Joe Biden was first elected to the U.S. Senate in the early 70s. And he remained there until he became the vice president. Then he was vice president until 2016. And then four years later, he became the president. So in an almost uninterrupted track. He's been in the government forever. You'd think he could just do the basic stuff, and he can't. The country's falling around around us because not only do we have a wicked and absurd ideology that is insisting that we all live in lies constantly, that's not going to lead to national flourishing, but he also just can't do the basic stuff that government requires. Now, we have some good leaders around the country at the state level. A lot of people talk about Ron DeSantis, rightly so, but Got to talk about my own governor here, Bill Lee. Bill Lee has uh, just proposed a bill to arm every school in Tennessee, not just every public school, but every private school as well, to have the resources necessary to hire an armed guard if, if uh, Governor Lee gets his plan through the Republican legislature. This is the only thing we know that works to protect kids. You might bemoan the fact that we need to arm teachers and have armed security guards and, and redo the security features at these schools. You might say, that's too bad. In the good old days, we didn't even lock our doors. Yeah, that's true. But in the good old days, we knew the difference between men and women. In the good old days, we didn't allow 2 million foreign nationals illegally to enter our country every year. In the good old days, we agreed on basic things. In the good old days, we generally went to church. In the good old days, we didn't murder 800,000 babies a year. In the good old days, we spoke the same language. In the good old days are gone, folks. And we live in a brave new world. And so in this brave new world, kids are at risk at school. And I say this as the father of young sons who are not in school yet. I am not going to send my kid to any school that is not totally secure. And so Bill Lee is dealing, he's, he's applying eternal political principles the principle of self-protection, to changing circumstances and saying, if you want to protect kids, banning some gun that the Democrats hate, not going to do it. If you want to protect kids, encouraging some absurd ideology that the Democrats love is not going to do it. You know what's going to do it? Giving good guys guns to shoot the bad guys with guns. That's what's going to do it. It's a great, great proposal. And I'm glad, I'm glad that our governor here understands really basic stuff. I wish that other political leaders in the country, it's not rocket science, folks. Okay. Now we got a, we got a guy on, friend of mine who wants to have the top job in the country. That would be my friend Vivek Ramaswamy. So get your questions for Vivek in. We will be fielding your questions for Vivek uh, coming up here on the member block. The rest of the show continues now. You don't want to miss it. Go to dailywire.com slash Knowles. Use code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, at checkout for two months free on all annual plans.